I want to share with you this morning from God's Word how to live a life filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe that the normal Christian life is a life when a believer is walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, and being filled with the Spirit. You know, there's a verse, just one verse, but I'm telling you, we we could spend days and months exploring it. I want you to listen to it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, excess, riot, but be filled with the Spirit. Let's read those last five words. But be, say it, but be filled with the Spirit, capital S. You know, you often wonder, why in the world did God use that comparison? Why didn't he say, don't steal and be filled with the Spirit? Why didn't he say, don't lie and be filled with the Spirit? I want to tell you why. Because it's a great, great illustration. By the way, I'm not a, a Greek scholar. I took in the morning in seminary. I don't remember it. But I know what this verse means in the Greek. What it means? It's two Greek commands that begin in the and continue to the present. Do not be drunk with wine. Understand that? But look at the other command. The same God that command drunk with wine commanded you to be but be filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, Lord, why did you use that illustration? When a person's drunk, and I know this from personal experience, but when a person's drunk, they think different. Their mind's messed up. When a person's drunk, they see different. Eyes see strange things. When a person's drunk, they feel different. They're all out of whack. And when they act different. They just bend differently. And when a person's drunk, they walk differently. Guess what? When a person's filled with the Holy Spirit, they think different. When a person's filled with the Holy Spirit, they... when a person's filled with the Holy Spirit, they speak differently. When a person with the Holy Spirit, they behave differently. So what God is saying in his word, don't be controlled by distilled spirits, but be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now I want to share with you from the Word of God, first of all, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then the second thing I want to do is talk about the Holy Spirit and a Christian. Then the third thing I want to talk about is why do you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And then in conclusion, how can you be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, let's look at the promise, the promise that God gave us about being filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, let me say this. There are three terms that talk about the Spirit-filled life. The first one's Ephesians 5.18. I just read it, and you saw it. The second one is Galatians 5.16, and it says this. Walk in the Spirit. I mean, live your life in the power of the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, And you will not fulfill the desires of your flesh. 
And then there's another one that describes what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And that is Galatians 5.25 says, if we live in the Spirit, oh, it talks about living in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. But if we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. You know, the promise of the Holy Spirit, Jesus gave it to the disciples. And, and there's a very unusual verse in John 14, verses 15 through 18. I want us to look at that verse. Jesus was going to leave the disciples. He was going to leave them. He was going to the cross, be crucified, rise from the dead on the third day. Forty days later, ascend to the right hand of the Father, where he is even today, in a place of power and authority. But he wanted the disciples to know that he wasn't going to leave them as orphans. He said, I'm not walking away from you and leaving you down here on this earth to do the best you can. And so he says to them, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he goes on and says in verse 16, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter. And that's the Holy Spirit, one who comes alongside to help. He said, he said, uh, I will pray the Father, he will give you another helper or comforter, look at this, that he may abide with you forever. I'm fixing to leave, but I'm going to send my spirit, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to come alongside you, and he's going to be with you forever. But then he goes on, and this is what you've got to say. Who is this comforter? Look at verse 17. The Spirit of Truth, capital S. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But now don't you miss this. But you know him, the Holy Spirit. He dwells with you, but here's where it all changes. And will be in you. You know what you just did? In five words, you went from the Old Testament to the New Testament. He said the Holy Spirit dwells with you but he is going to be in you. And then look at this promise. I will not leave you as an orphan. Don't you know the disciples' hearts were breaking because Jesus, they weren't going to have the physical presence of Jesus. But Jesus said, listen, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to come and he's been with you, but he's going to come and live in you. I am not going to leave you as an orphan. That's the promise of the Holy Spirit. Then in John chapter 16, Jesus again tells them about the Holy Spirit. We're going to start in verse 7 and read through verse 14. But I want you to look here. This is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. Jesus was looking at Peter, James, and John. And, and, and he was going to the cross and they all were going to be scared to death anyway. And, and he said, listen. It's going to be to your advantage that I leave. Huh. I said, by time, time out, Lord. I need to talk to you about that. How is it going to be to my advantage for you to go away? And he goes and says, it's to my advantage for you to go away. For if I do not go away, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, will not come. But if I go away, if I depart, I'm going to send him, the Holy Spirit, to you. I'm going to send him to you. And when he has come, what's the Holy Spirit going to do? He will convict the world of sin 
and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because you believe not in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler, the devil, the ruler of this world is judged. I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. However, now don't miss this. When the spirit of truth has come, he's going to guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority. Whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you things to come. He will, oh, now look what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is. He will glorify me. Wow. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ, he's going to glorify me. He will take what is mine and he'll declare it to you. So there's the promise of the Holy Spirit. There's one other verse in Acts chapter 1 verse 4. I want you to listen. He calls it the promise of the Father. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. What is the promise of the Father? That the Holy Spirit was going to come and indwell believers. He said, which you have heard from me. And then he goes on in verse 5, for John baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And that happened on the day of Pentecost. And so that was the promise of the Spirit. Now, this is where I want you to understand. Growing up, I grew up in, in, in a Baptist church, and it was a good Baptist church. They believed the Bible. They taught you how to be saved. And they, they had wonderful teachers who loved you as a child and loved you as a teenager. And they did everything they could to guide you in the right path. I, I have no, as far as a place where the gospel was preached, I have no regrets. But I never heard anything about the Holy Spirit. Never. Then I go off to college or second university. And, of course, I never heard anything about the Holy Spirit there. Then I go to seminary and heard very little about the Holy Spirit And a friend of mine just wrote a book called The Forgotten God. It's called The Holy Spirit. But you've got to understand something. Every one of you who is a Christian has a six-fold relationship with the Holy Spirit. Man, I didn't know that. That I, as a believer, once Christ came into my life, I had a six-fold relationship with the Holy Spirit? My goodness. Why didn't I know that? It's all over the Bible. Let me tell you what they are. Number one, if you're a Christian, you've been born of the Spirit. Remember Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And in John chapter 3, verse 5, he tells us, unless I say unto you, unless one is born of the Spirit of God, unless one is born of water, physical birth, and the Spirit, unless you're born of water and Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So when you get saved, you have a new birth. And the Holy Spirit births you into the family of God. You are born again. You you become alive spiritually. So every believer has been born of the Spirit. Did you know that the Bible says in Acts 2.38 that every Christian has received the gift of the Holy Spirit? I didn't know when I got saved. God gave me the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. Look at what it says in the Word of God. Then Peter said, repent and let every one of you baptized, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as evidence of remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift 
of the Holy Spirit. You know, when I got saved, God gave me a wonderful gift. When you got saved, God gave you a wonderful gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. When it, and he goes on and the Bible teaches, not only are we born of the Spirit, not only have we received the gift of the Spirit, the Bible says our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have been indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And it's found in 1 Corinthians 3.12. Look at what it says. No, that's not it. 1 Corinthians 3.12 says, it says, for your, no, don't you know, that must be 2 Corinthians. But anyway, I'm going to tell you what it is. It's, no, I'm going to look it up in my Bible is what I'm going to do. What? No, no, that's not the one I'm looking for. I'm looking for 1 Corinthians. I mean, if it's not there, I'm going to repent. I mean, I mean it's, it's got to be there. I looked it up last night, 1 Corinthians 3.19. Let me see. Okay. Oh, I only missed it four verses. It's 1 Corinthians 3.16, my fault. Listen to what it says now, 3.16. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Wow. Man, not only have I been born of the Spirit, and not only have you been born of the Spirit, not only have you received the gift of the Spirit, but praise God, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and He dwells in you. 1 Corinthians 6.19 is, do you not know, it says, uh, and 1 Corinthians 16, uh, 6, 19, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and you're not your own, you're bought with a price. Well, here's the fourth thing. We're born of the Spirit. We're baptized by the, we're born of the Spirit. We've got the gift of the Spirit. We've been indwelled by the Spirit. We've been baptized by the Spirit. You, you say, I didn't know that. I didn't either. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, listen to what it says. For by one Spirit, we were all baptized, immersed into one body. It's a spiritual baptism. The Holy Spirit took us when we were saved, and not only were we born of the Spirit, and not only did we receive the gift of the Spirit, and not only did He come to live inside of us, but He took us and He baptized us into the body of Christ, the church. And that's what makes the church a supernatural body. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, We've all been made to, I love this. We've all been made to drink of one spirit. We've all been made to drink of the Holy Spirit. Number five, the Bible says a Christian and uh, uh, the Holy Spirit, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. We're born of the Spirit. We receive the gift of the Spirit. We're indwelled by the Spirit. We're baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. And now we're sealed. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Listen to what he says. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by which you were sealed. God took his seal. And when Jesus came into your heart, he took the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit sealed you until the day of redemption. You are sealed in him by the Holy Spirit. And then the last thing is this. Not only are we sealed by the Holy Spirit. And boy, this is good. All of it's good, but it's better. I'm telling you this is good. I'm just going to say amen to myself. All right, here it is. The Holy Spirit is God's guarantee that what God started, he'll finish. Man, he gives us the Holy Spirit. 
And he says, I know you're struggling, but I, I, what I started at you, I'm going to finish. It's in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. It says, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of, of your salvation, in whom having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now look at the next verse. Who is our guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Man, the Holy Spirit is God's guarantee in you and me that what God started, God is going to finish. Did you know that every believer in this room, you have a wonderful six-fold relationship with the Holy Spirit. You've been born of the Spirit. You've received the gift of the Spirit. You've been baptized by the Spirit. You've been indwelled by the Spirit. You've been sealed by the Spirit. And He's God's guarantee that what God started, God's going to finish. Hallelujah. I can see that I'm a whole lot more excited than you are. A whole lot more excited. But now I want to go to the second thing. I want to talk to you why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to listen. Did you know when you got saved, you got all the Holy Spirit? Some people say there's a second work of grace. No, it isn't. There's one work of grace. The, the, when Jesus Christ comes in your, to your life... The Bible says you are almost complete in him. That is not what it says. And says in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him. So when you got saved, you, you, you received the gift of the Spirit. And you received all of the Holy Spirit. All of the Holy Spirit. You received all of him. He's a person. He doesn't come in an arm at a time and a leg at a time. I mean, he's a person. You received all of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, wait a minute then. Why do I need to be filled with the Spirit? Because He doesn't have all of you. Oh, you have all of Him. But I want to ask you a question. Does He have all of you? And that's why God commanded us. I want the Holy Spirit to have all of you. I want you to be filled with the Spirit. There are three reasons we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you what they are. This is so important. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to know. You see, we live in a spiritual world, and once we are saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, and He becomes our teacher. And the Holy Spirit gives us the power to know. First of all, He gives us the power to know the Word of God. Let me tell you something. Once you have the Holy Spirit living in you, He's the author of this book. It's inspired by the Spirit of God, and it is amazing. Once you're saved, this book that used to didn't mean anything to you, and you didn't understand, all of a sudden becomes alive, and you understand it, and you say, my heavens, I didn't know all that was in there. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. Look, look what it says in John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, when he is, whom the Father will send in my name, Get this, he will teach you all things. I've got a teacher that teaches me this book. If you're saved, you've got a teacher that teaches you this book. It's the Holy Spirit. He says, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to know the Word of God. The power to know the Word of God. John 16, 13. Look what it says. How about he, however, when the Spirit of truth has come, stay with me. He will guide you into all truth. I'm telling you, this book comes more than another book on the shelf when you have the Holy Spirit in you. This book, you say, man, 
Look at that promise. Oh, my Lord. I know I've read it before, but it's like the first time I ever read it. And you read the Bible, and when you get through, you feel so strong, and you feel so clean, and you feel so encouraged. What is it? The Holy Spirit in us gives us the power to know the Word of God. Boy, there's a, there's a great promise in 1 John chapter 2, verse 17, 27, verse 27. Now, now look what he says. You say, well, somebody's got to teach me, Brother Fred. They're spirit-controlled, spirit-led, spirit-called teachers of the Word of God. But you have the teacher inside of you, and the teacher is the Holy Spirit. But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. You do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and it is not a lie, and just as it taught you, you will abide in Him. He said, you've got an anointing? It's called the Holy Spirit, who will teach you all things. You know, there was a theology that just an average person couldn't know the Word of God and understand it, that it had to come out, that the church had to interpret it to them. I got one word for that, baloney. The Spirit of God lives in you, and He can teach you the Word of God, and He can give you discernment, and you can know the Word of God, and He can correct you and direct you. Do we need earthly teachers that God has called? Yes. Oh, yes. My life has been blessed by many wonderful teachers, but I'll tell you the greatest teacher, He ain't never, he ain't never took a vacation. They never left me, and that's the Holy Spirit, and He'll teach you all things. Here's the next thing you know. He gives you the power to know the Word of God. Stay with me. He gives you the power to know the will of God. Brother Fred, I want, Brother Ed saying it, wasted years, wasted years. Hey, I don't want to waste any years. How am I going to know God's will? How am I going to do God's will? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit not only gives us the power to know God's word, Holy Spirit gives us the power to know God's will. Look at it. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. How do I know what to do? How do I know whether to take that job or not? How do I know whether to continue dating that girl or boy or not? How do I know? How do I know of all these decisions? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, we're led by the Spirit of God. That's how we know the will of God. For, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the children of God. Number one, why do you need to be filled with the Spirit? The Holy Spirit gives you the power to know. Second reason, the Holy Spirit gives you the power to be. Little verb, be, e. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to be. You know, you have experiences in your life that you never forget. And I was real young about that. At that time, I think I was about 24 years old. That had been a long time ago. I was pastoring Eastview Baptist Church, about seven miles out of Rock Hill, where I grew up. Church about 200. Wonderful people. But I heard that Hyman Appleman, now, you, you, you don't know who he was, but I'll tell you who he was. Some of you do. He was a Jew who was frustrated and empty and was going to commit suicide, went into a motel room, and when he went in there, he, he noticed a Bible laying on a, a, a table, 
And his family had already told him that if he ever read the New Testament, God would strike him dead. He said, well, if I'm going to kill myself, I might as well let God do it. <laughs> so he started reading the New Testament. And the Spirit of God began to speak to his heart. <laughs> and he got saved. Got saved. Well, he went and told his family they were saved. You know what his mother said? Hyman, as far as I'm concerned, you're dead. You are a Jew. You are not a Christian. And as far as I'm concerned, you're dead. And when I die, you will not come to my funeral. It cost him everything. He didn't get to go to his mother's funeral. It cost him everything. But he was preaching about 25 miles from my, my church, Luke, uh, uh, Eastview Baptist, in Lancaster. So I got one of the men in my church because um, uh, I didn't want to go by myself. So we drove over to Lancaster. And we found the church, and in, uh, in the, on the marquee outside, it says, Fire Over America. I said, he's going to preach on judgment. Oh, no. You know what he was preaching on? The Holy Spirit. He said, Jesus baptized with, you, uh, with water. Uh, uh, you're baptized with water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. It's in the Bible. And so he started preaching on the Holy Spirit. And he got to the point in the message that he asked this question. Here I am. I'm a pastor. I hadn't finished seminary, but, you know, that's no big deal. You know, I had the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And I was sitting there, and he said, uh, I want to ask you all a question in the middle of the sermon. How many of you are satisfied with the Christian life you're living? I said, well, I know one thing. I'm not satisfied. I think I'm saved, and I want to please God, but I, I'm not satisfied with the Christian life I'm living. I'm not. And I didn't mind him asking me that question. I just was honest. But you know what he did? Now, you don't do this in the middle of a sermon. He said, if you're not satisfied with the Christian life, raise your hand. I'm not going to raise my hand. One of my deacons is sitting right beside me, <laughs> and he's going to say, what's wrong with you, man? And I was struggling. I said, Lord, I'm not doing it. I am not. He asked it again. If you're not satisfied with the Christian life you're living, raise your hand. I said, I'm not doing it. I said, he ain't ever going to leave this if I don't get my hand up. <laughs> so you know what I started doing? And, and I repented. I started sneaking up my left hand. <laughs> now, that's the truth. I didn't want this man. That was pride. I didn't want him to see it. But I want to tell you, this is what I've never forgotten oh my god i've never forgotten this i looked up to the pulpit and hyman appleman that jew with that olive skin he had kind of took his coat off and opened his shirt and his tie was loose and man he was crying like a baby he was weeping and he said i'm not satisfied with the christian life i'm living he said because i'm not like jesus I said, well, if you're not like Jesus, I might as well give up. <laughs> really, I'm serious with you. He said, you see, it's the little things. It's not those big things. He said, it's the little things. And no sin's a little thing. And boy, God just, he, he just dealt with me. But then he said this, and it was one of the greatest truths that I'd ever had explained. He said, you know what, he said, he, he was not satisfied because he was not like Jesus. He said, you know where you get the power to be like Jesus? 
It's when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know what he did? He read the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22. Now this is, the, this is the life of Jesus. This is the life of Jesus. This is who Jesus is. But it's not the fruit of struggling. It's not the fruit of striving. It's not the fruit of doing the best you can. I'm going to do better. Now look what it says. The fruit of the, somebody say the word. What is it? Capital S. The fruit of the Spirit is love. That's Jesus. Joy. Man, that's Jesus. Peace. Man, that's Jesus. Long-suffering. That's Jesus. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. Against such there is no law. I said, man, I, I just saw the life of Jesus. And it's not by struggling it's not by striving. You get filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit produces His fruit, which is love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and kindness and faithfulness. You know where you get the power to be like Jesus? When you're filled with the Spirit, when you're walking in the Spirit, and when you're living in the Spirit. That's the power to be like Jesus. Here's the third thing. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to know. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to be. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to do. Where do you get the power to witness? Acts 1.8. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you. Well, where do you get the power? Not only to witness, but where do you get the power to preach or teach? Look at 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5. That my speech and preaching shall not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, God forbid. That my speech and preaching shall not be with enticing words of man's wisdom. But in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. That your teaching and preaching will be in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men but the power of God. Alright, where do you get the power to pray? Power to witness, power to preach or teach. Ephesians 6, 19. Praying, six eighteen. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the, say the word, Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Being watchful to the end and persevering from supplication for all the saints. Well, where do you get the power to overcome the devil? Ephesians 6, 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. All right now, Holy Spirit gives us the power to know, the power to be, and the power to do. Now, here's the most important part of this message. How do you walk in the Spirit? How can you be filled? Now, you have all the Holy Spirit. But the question is, does He have all of you? So how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? How can I be filled with the Spirit? I'm going to tell you exactly how. First of all, you've got to be empty before you can be filled. You cannot fill something that's already full. You've got to be empty before you can be filled. And first of all, you've got to be empty of your sin. Remember I was praying earlier that, that God would show us anything in our life that grieves the Holy Spirit? Or quenches the Holy Spirit. 
And Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit. You know, I wish we could say that we never sin. And that is our goal. That is our goal, not to sin. But the truth is, when we sin, we have to be quick to repent. Because the Holy Spirit is grieved by sin. The Holy Spirit is quenched by sin. And I got this indelibly written in my heart. When Bertha Smith came to the missions class in seminary, and she talked on being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's probably the two t most important time I ever had when in seminary. And she said, now, you can't get filled till you're empty. And she said, I want you to go home and I want you to get your pad and paper. And I want you to get alone with God. I want you to ask God to show you everything in your life that's quenching the Holy Spirit and grieving the Holy Spirit. And, and then I want you to go, go back after God's shown you everything. And then you, you just one by one, you confess them. And to say, God, it's a sin. I repent and I turn back. And so, you know, you, 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 I went and did that. And I was amazed at what God showed me. But, you know, I had the most wonderful feeling when I finished. As far as I knew, there was nothing in my life that I knew of, and I couldn't deal with it if I didn't know it, that was grieving the Holy Spirit. Listen, you say, Brother Fred, I need spiritual power. I need to be filled with spirit. You've got to be empty of your sin. Whatever God puts his finger on, you say, God, I agree with you. It is a sin. I confess it. Wash me from it in the blood of Jesus. You've got to be empty of yourself. But, uh, by the way, let me give you a, a scripture on that. Over in 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 10, uh, we're going to go all the way. All right, here it is. If we walk in the light, our light's an open book. As he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And then we go on down, and, and, and we go in verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But look at this. If we confess our sins, if we agree with God, it is a sin. God says, now that is a sin. Well, it used to be, but it's not anymore. The culture's changed. Society says it's all right. God says, that is a sin. And you're not going to get beyond that till you agree with God and say, I agree with you. That is a sin. And I repent. And then if we confess our sins, agree with God, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. The truth is not in us. So you've got to be empty of sin. Number two, you've got to be empty of self. I want to just give you one verse. Luke chapter 9 Luke chapter 9, and it's uh, verses um, 20, uh, 23 and 24. All right. So, far as I know, my sins are confessed up to date. Far as you know, you have no unconfessed sin in your life. So now, you've got to be empty of sin, but then you've got to be empty of self. Then he said to them, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself. Put it on the cross and come and follow me. I'm, this is the words of Jesus now. If you're going to follow me, deny you. Put it on the cross. Take up your cross. Some of you say, well, I've got a cross. I've got a bear. My wife's cross. My husband. No, give me a break. My, my cross. Come on. You die on a cross. Cross is a place where you die to yourself. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take his cross daily and follow me. 
If you desire to save your life, I am not going to deny myself. I'm going to live for myself. He said, if you desire to save your life, you're going to lose it. It is to live. But if you lose your life, die to self. From I'm just reading the Bible. So you got to empty of self. And then you got to be filled. Boy, here's a beautiful thing. You get empty of your sin, yourself. And then you say, Jesus, self. And I'm taking it off the throne of my This flesh wants to live for itself. I want to live for myself. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I certainly don't want to tell you what to do. But you better listen to what God tells you to do. And said, so what we, we got to take self off the throne of our heart and put it on the cross. And we got to take and put him on the throne. You see, I'm Jesus as Lord of our life. Crown as Lord of our life. Completely and unreservedly, I yield every area of my life to you, Lord. You see, you got empty of sin and self and self's on the cross. And now, Jesus, take your rightful place. Taught me, you purchased me with your blood. I belong to you. And a little while ago, Lord, and we weren't just singing words all to Jesus, I surrender. Really? All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. That means, Jesus, take your place on the throne of my heart. Take your place on the throne of my heart. Empty of sin, empty of self. Jesus crowned as the Lord of your life. And then you know what you do? You ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Oh, you have all the Holy Spirit. Did you say, does it tell us to ask to be filled? Let me show you. Luke chapter 11, verse 9 through 13. Listen to this. So I, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And who, who knocks it will be opened. He said, if, you, if, a son, if a son of yours asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? If, you being, or if he asks for an egg, he will, will he offer him a scorpion? Get this. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall the Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? How long has it been since you asked God to fill you with the Holy Spirit? You see, you've got to be empty of sin, empty of self. Jesus on the throne. And this is not a formula. It's just the truth of God's word. He can't fill you unless you're empty. And Jesus has to be on the throne. If he's not Lord, then God, the Spirit of God can't take control of what's not under his authority. But then you ask him, Holy Spirit, Father, I want you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me, possess me, anoint me, control me, bear your fruit in my life, direct my steps, and glorify Jesus in me. You ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment?